0: the Gospel of Luke. Hopefully you can find that one. I want to talk this morning about the power of God's Word and the condition of my heart. How many believe in the power of God's Word? How many are a little bit concerned about the condition of your heart? Yeah, well, anyway. How many of you did your homework last week? Remember? Uh, If you're online visiting or... Uh, Here visiting this morning, uh, last week, uh, Kelly, one of the brothers in our church, uh, shared a message talking about the power of God's Word in our life. He talked about uh, believing God's Word, grabbing onto it, declaring it over our lives, different circumstances, things that are happening, declaring it in prayer uh, for for loved ones. uh, During times of struggle, Uh, warfare, how many know that faith is a battle (laughs) <laughs> Let me try that again. <clears throat> How many know faith is a battle? How many know your heart needs some work? Faith is a battle. Power, powerful word of God. Faith is a battle. Our heart needs, our heart needs some work. So He tried to uh, work with our hearts a little bit last week. Uh, in fact, He taught us it is written. Could we say that together? It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Could could we say that together? How many thought of that this week? Hello. How many did their homework? Okay. It is written. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And then he reminded us that we're not just physical human beings, you know, putting all our stock in this life, but that we are spiritual. We are created by God, spirit, soul, and body, spirit first. We're spiritual beings. God's word is spiritual, and it is powerful, and how many know it will ignite our faith? It will deliver us from fears in our life. It will defeat the schemes of the enemy many times in our life. The Word of God is alive, it's powerful. And uh, in fact, he quoted uh, Ephesians 4, verse 12. It's living and active, sharper than any two edged sword, able to deliver, cut between the soul and spirit. The joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intents of the heart. How many have ever had your soul dominating your spirit? Sometimes discouragement or depression. Uh, Sometimes you'll hear something on the news, and you, you pick up that offense, and it just starts to stir in you, and all of a sudden, your soul is dominating your spirit. And even though God's Word says... Nothing is impossible with him, and even though God's word says we win in the end, all of a sudden our soul is dominated by all this anxiety and all this fear and all this worry. And all of a sudden the word of God comes in and cuts between soul and spirit and delivers our soul from our spirit so that our spirit can rule in our heart. How many would like to see the spirit ruling in your heart all the time? Okay, that's the word of God. The Word of God is powerful. We are spiritual people, spiritual beings, and learning to live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, requires grabbing hold of, uh, contending with, declaring at times in our life the Word of God. This last Thursday morning, uh, I was kind of praying in here in the sanctuary with a few uh, brothers and sisters that come about 7 o'clock on Thursdays. You're always welcome to come, but uh, we are praying here in the sanctuary and I was declaring, uh, he who began a good work in you. It's a promise that uh, God uh, gave to the church in Philippi through the Apostle Paul. uh, Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. How many believe that's true? How many believe God's word is true? And how many believe God's word is powerful, and he will accomplish what he sent it for? Could someone say amen there? (laughs) Need some help up here. Preacher needs some help. Okay. He will accomplish what he sent his word to do. God sent a word through Pastor Gordon. Came to Klamath Falls. How long ago, Gordon, 45, 46. 45 46 years ago with a word the word of this church real love is Jesus it was on their sign and God began something in this community through that church I showed up about 30 almost 34 years ago to continue that word God has a word uh, and he who began a good work in you that word used plural He was talking to the church in Philippi, the entire church. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. I believe that's true. And I believe that uh, God will continue to accomplish that work in my life and through our lives uh, in this community uh, for his kingdom, glory, and honor. Can I share a personal one? That uh, I was praying yesterday morning, Cheryl and I, Had a little bit of a busy day. I don't know about you, but when I have a busy day, I need to pray more, not less. Anybody? Okay, when I have a busy day, I need to pray more, not less. And I had a funeral, a memorial service yesterday afternoon about 2 o'clock, and then, of course, the message this morning, some other things going on here in the life of the church, and I was on the phone a little bit, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, um, and uh, so thankful for my wife. Uh, She said, well, let's pray and we took a little longer and uh, prayed, prayed for many things happening in some of your lives, uh, things in our community, things in the church, prayed for our kids. And uh, one of the scriptures that came to my heart yesterday, Acts uh, chapter uh, 16, verse 31. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved and your whole household. How many have ever declared that word? over your family believe in the Lord Jesus Christ you'll be saved in your whole household now you got to understand context when you read the Bible but the context of that promise is so powerful uh, the Apostle Paul he's preached the gospel in Philippi in Acts chapter 16 just a few believers there uh, a young lady named Lydia who was an entrepreneur had a great business uh, with fabrics uh, expensive fabrics. She got saved, a few other people got saved, but there's a lot of persecution from the government and, and, and from the culture, from the people. Uh, the Apostle Paul gets arrested, thrown in jail. So what's he's doing at midnight? He's worshiping and praying and, and, and honoring God. He's worshiping the Lord. and All of a sudden, the Lord sends an earthquake, shakes the foundation of the prison. In the midst of a dark difficult situation where the apostle Paul could be killed for uh, preaching the gospel and he's worshiping and praising God and God sends an earthquake how many know God is on our side if God is for us who could be against us amen so he's worshiping and he's praying he's believing and he's trusting and and uh, God sends an earthquake the chains literally fall off his arms And the prison door opens up, and uh, uh, they're set free. Uh, The jailer, though, he's terrified. He thinks they've all escaped during the earthquake. And uh, so he takes out his sword, and he's going to kill himself because he's going to be executed for losing the prisoners. The apostle Paul says, stop! We're still here. And immediately, because of the apostle Paul's witness, his faith in the midst of all the opposition that was, was... the jailer runs falls on his knees before Paul and says what must I do to be saved and what Paul say Acts 16 31 believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll be saved and your whole household That's a powerful promise fathers You have an influence in your family You have an influence in the culture the community of your family your faith is powerful and it's important and you have a word To declare over your family you have a word to hang on to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ you'll be saved and your whole household and uh, of course uh, the jailer got saved he took Paul to his home Uh, the rest of his family received Christ they were all baptized I don't know how it doesn't say bathtub or whatever Uh, but nevertheless God worked powerfully in that circumstance I'm contending for that with my family. Sometimes it feels a little dark. Sometimes the enemy comes in like a flood, raises up arguments or ideas or lies against the knowledge of God or the glory of God. You know, I love Jesus. He hears my prayers. Amen. If God is for me, who can be against me? So you know, I just was praying that a little bit with Cheryl. and I just received a lot of comfort. Just felt like maybe the Holy Spirit was reminding me that he was at work for me on behalf of my loved ones and my family. I need that. I need that encouragement in my life. I want to continue talking a little bit about the power of God's word, the impact it can have on our lives and and through our lives this morning. We're going to look at a parable that Jesus taught to the crowds when he was ministering near the Sea of Galilee. uh, it's in Luke chapter 4, uh, 8, excuse me, beginning in verse 4. A crowd is gathering together as Jesus begins to teach. And I'm going to invite you to follow along as I read. In verse 4, it says, while a large crowd was gathering and the people were coming to Jesus from town after town. Uh, he told them this parable. He said, a, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was uh, scattering the seed, some fell on the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up, and it choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded crop a hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out. Now, some of the uh, other gospel writers that, tell this story this parable a mention that jesus had got in a boat in the sea of galilee uh, to be able to speak to the crowd that was out there that day so that you you got to understand he's out on a lake there's several hundred if not thousands of people that are gathering around listening and he calls out whoever has ears to hear let them hear Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Verse 9, his disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that those seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. That's interesting, isn't it? I thought... I thought God wanted all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Didn't you? Isn't that what it says in, uh, I think it's 1 Timothy chapter 2, God wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So why is he hiding his word? What does he want us to do? What part is our responsibility? If God's word is powerful, if it will accomplish what it's sent for, then why this fight? Why this wrestle within your own soul? Why do you fight with things within your own soul? You've been a Christian for 40 years, still struggling with some of the same weaknesses in your soul that you had when you got saved. Why hasn't there been change? Why hasn't there been deliverance? Why hasn't there been healing? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Though seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. Of course, he has crowds coming, seeing the miracles, the healings, the lame walking, the blind seeing. Though seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, hundreds, thousands of people listening as he preached from the lake uh, setting out in this boat. Though hearing, they may not understand. Verse 11, this is the meaning of the parable. Uh, the seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. That's sad, isn't it? Verse 13. Those on rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in a time of testing they fall away. Verse 14, the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, uh, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Verse 15, but the seed on good soil stands for those with good noble hearts who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a harvest, 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as has been planted. How many gardeners do we have in the room? Anybody? Some of you? Flowers or maybe vegetables? Does anyone eat, anybody use seeds? Does anyone start with seeds? You're the purest among us, okay? You, you literally start with a seed, put in that little holder or whatever, you got this tray or something, you've got a, a back porch with light coming in, you kind of start your seeds about April or March and, in Klamath you put them out about July 20th <laughs> so they don't freeze. I, I'm not much of a, a gardener, I do plant a few flowers. I'm just impatient, you know. I buy the flowers already blooming and looking beautiful and arrange them in pots uh, for Cheryl on our deck and on our powder uh, patio. But my wife and I, uh, we put in a, a lawn a few years ago. We built a house. And we had an acre, uh, about two-thirds of an acre or so, maybe a little more, uh, lot. And so there was a lot of ground to cover. After putting up with mud all winter after the house was built, I was so excited to put in a lawn. Now, I, I did most of the work to build the house, um, you know, all the stuff and trim and uh, interior, hardwood floors, tile, all that stuff, siding, roofing, paint. I worked pretty hard. But putting in a lawn is the hardest work I have ever done in my life. And if you this morning are considering putting in a lawn, don't. Okay? Buy sod. It's worth every penny. The second house we built, we put in sod. But anyway, it really, it was the hardest, hardest work I've ever done. I mean, first of all, the lot was at one point a rangeland for cattle. And so, you know, it's all this grass that's been growing for decades and, uh, you know, tall, I call them weeds. But nevertheless, the uh, first thing I had to do was rototill it. And, uh, you know, so I went down to the rental place, got this little rototiller, it just went like this. It just, it, it wouldn't break through anything. I needed a, a John Deere, you know, I need a tractor so i went down and got the biggest literally the biggest rototiller that you could rent and that beat me to a pulp for about 12 hours you know doing all the rototilling and then you got to rake up all those clods you know all this grass that's been turned up and now it's a root ball there you rake all that up and there were you know pickup loads of 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 clods and then I got a little smarter I I borrowed a friend's uh, four-wheeler and I had a cyclone fence with some weight on it we drug it over over all the ground and got up more clods and rocks and whatever and it was looking pretty good then we raked it to perfection and then I went out and I bought this seed uh, Klamath mix and uh, we spread the seed Raked it in, put on the mulch, turned on the water. Now, I'll be honest with you. When I opened that bag of seed, I looked at that seed and it looked so dead. After all the work I had done, that seed looked so dead. I literally, in my heart, I thought, oh man, I hope you work. And I literally, I struggled with doubt. I struggled, how can this work? It's dead isn't it doesn't a seed look dead you ever look at a grass seed i brought some seeds by the way these are mustard seeds some of you are familiar in the bible where jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed it's the smallest seed in the garden and yet it produces this amazing tree where even you know birds can find refuge these Little seeds. I'm sorry, I probably can't let you see it. They're so small. They're amazing. People gave us, uh, when, when Cheryl and I went out to pioneer a church in Baker City, Oregon, uh, a couple in the church in Olympia where we left gave us these mustard seed and said, you're going out like a mustard seed, but God's going to build a kingdom. I just really appreciated that. They're so small, and by the way, they look so lifeless. I mean, how can anything come out of that? It's just amazing to me that in a seed, there is the genetic code of life that can cause life to happen. How we know the same is true with God's Word? The same is true with God's Word. It's living and active. It's powerful. It says in Psalms 107, verse 20, God sent forth his word and healed them. Do you know that everything throughout history that has ever been accomplished by God through the power of the Holy Spirit first came with his word? God spoke and said, let there be light. What happened? Isn't that amazing? The entire universe. Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve, of course, they uh, turned their back on God, sinned against God. And, uh, but God, in his love, came to them and gave them a promise. He, he looked at the serpent and he looked at the woman. And he said to the woman, from the seed of a woman, I'm going to raise up a savior. And he looked at Satan. I said, He said, You're going to strike his heel, but he is going to crush your head. And that set in motion all of history. History. There's a lot of things that have happened in history, but history is his story. God is at work to prepare a bride, he's bringing together a people, he's giving birth to the body of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And from that point forward, first it was Noah. During a time where God grieved that he'd even made man, there was so much darkness that he gave his word, gave his promise. Noah built an ark through Noah's line, a man named Abraham, who couldn't have children with his wife. He called them out of Ur by his word. He said, you're going to become a great nation. Every nation on the earth is going to be blessed because of you. Took him outside and showed him the stars. He said, Your offspring will be greater in number than the stars in the sky or the sands on the seashore. And through Isaac and Jacob, his descendants, a nation was formed. And through that nation came a son. And God spoke 700 years before he's, he came. He said, a virgin will be with child and give birth to a son. 700 years later, a woman named Mary, little girl, young teenage girl, the angel comes, you're going to have a child. How is this possible? And the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And what happened? God's word impregnated her life, and he gave birth to the word of God through her. God's word, it will not return void. God's word is powerful. God's word says in Isaiah 55, verse 11. It is the same with my word, says the Lord. I will send it out, and it will always produce fruit. It will accomplish all that I want it to, and it will prosper wherever I I send it. God's word is powerful. It quickens our spirit. It strengthens our faith. It heals damaged emotions in our soul. I've seen things healed in my life because He gave me His word. He spoke His word, and I grabbed onto it and I held on it through times of temptation or times of testing, and it brought healing and it produced fruit. In my life, God's Word will restore your soul. God's Word can restore your marriage. Nothing is impossible with God. God's Word is powerful, it can bring healing, it brings hope. Oh, that's great, Pastor. But if that's true, why aren't more people saved? If God's Word is so powerful, Why aren't more lives touched? Why aren't more lives healed? Why aren't there more miracles? Why do I still struggle with the same old things, week after week, month after month? I've been a Christian for a long time. Still struggle with doubt and fear. I'm still impatient and angry. What's wrong with me? Let me encourage you this morning. The problem is not the seed. The problem is the soil. Okay, the problem's not the seed. The problem is the soil. Okay. Hundreds of people are gathering to see Jesus. They've heard of his miracles lame walking, blind eyes opening. In chapter seven, if you look there, a young boy who had died, uh, son of a widow, the only son of a widow, and there's a funeral procession. Jesus, uh, hearing what had happened, this widow, uh, her only son had died. It says he was moved with compassion. He stops the funeral procession and, raises him from the dead and literally gives him back to his mom. (laughs) Hallelujah. No wonder there was a crowd gathering uh, when Jesus was preaching. Nothing like this had ever happened before in Israel. People wanted to see it. Unfortunately, they, they didn't know what was going on. Many of them came for the wrong reasons. They heard there was this controversial figure. Religious leaders were all up in knots, upset. Some of them came to uh, maybe see a miracle. Some of them were hoping to see a prophet like in the Old Testament, maybe Elijah or Elisha. Uh, some of them might have been hoping to be healed themselves. So as they're coming, hundreds literally as they're coming, Jesus tells a parable about a farmer who went out into his feed field to sow seed to illustrate the power of the word and the condition of our heart you see, the problem is not the seed. The problem is the soil. How many know that God is no respecter of persons? Uh, I, wish, I wish he was. I'll be honest with you. I don't know about you. I feel like maybe I'd be one of God's favorites. I'm just that egocentric, you know. I really am. I'm just a selfish, self-centered guy. Uh, I'm that egotistical. I, I hate to say it, but it's r- really true. One of the very humbling and hard things for me to grasp onto is that God is no respecter of persons. He's not like a human being. We put people up on pedestals because of the car they drive or the job they have, whether they can sing or play an instrument. We have this, you know, we have this order. Everyone's up here and I'm down here, lowly me. God is no respecter of persons. Look around this room just for a minute because you need to get this. Some of you, shame has robbed the promise God has given you. It's just shame. It's just condemnation. It's just guilt. And yet God is, the enemy is robbing the promise that God has given you because you just, you just, can I just say it this way? And I mean it. You can't get over yourself. You can't get over yourself. You make you and your failure bigger than the power of God's word and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's time to get over it. We're the body of Christ. He gave us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever we bind on earth, he said. Jesus said this. These aren't my words. Whatever we bind on earth will be bound in Heaven, whatever we lose on earth yeah. will be loosed in heaven. How many think if, if the body of Christ believed that, we'd be a little bit more serious about our faith, a little bit more serious about prayer? If that word could break into the hardness of our heart, if that word could break into the shallowness of our soul, if that word could break through the clutteredness of the weeds the passions and the lusts in our life if that word could break through well the bible says nothing is impossible with god so what could god do what would he do what would he do in us what would he do through us the problem is not the seed the problem is the soil and we all need to take responsibility for our hearts so I'm going to skip some here. Four types of soil. uh, Hard heart, uh, the path. I I don't know what that illustrates for you. Uh, Routine, uh, areas in your life uh, where... um, How many have ever had the word come, but it just didn't make any difference? Anybody but me? Me? I'm preaching to me this morning okay okay hard hearts okay the path I'm in such a routine I go to church year after year doesn't ever make any changes in me doesn't ever make any difference in me because the routine has just I'm at this level I know I'm going to heaven hallelujah I'm comfortable there pastor I'll just give you my offering go home I'm not gonna share my faith with anybody not gonna get my fingernails dirty not gonna pray not gonna fast I'm just comfortable right there. Hard, hard path. Just routine. Just routine. Um, rocky soil, shallow. You know, when Cheryl and I, um, when Cheryl and I put in this lawn. By the way, it worked. <laughs> Hallelujah! Put on the water for about two weeks. It was like in the middle of July. It was really hot. That grass just took off. I thought, whoa! It's amazing. Hallelujah. But anyway, uh, we put in some uh, aspen trees. And uh, all of them did re- really, re- really, really well, except for this one. This one, you know, I staked them up the first year. And uh, after, after the summer, into the fall, winter, I took the, I took the stakes down. I thought, they look great. I think they're going to be fine. This one, the wind in the spring <laughs> fell over. I went back out, dug around it, propped it back up, put a new stake in it, made it all the way through the summer, fall. Spring, I think that's looking pretty good. Took the stake out. <laughs> all over again. I thought, what is the deal? The other eight or ten that we planted were doing great. This one, <laughs> so, you know, I staked it up again. And uh, some of you are saying, it's because you don't know how to plant a tree. That's probably true. <laughs> but after the third year, you know, I took the, the stake out again. I jerked it up, threw it in the truck, and threw it in the dump. Done with that thing. It won't grow roots. <laughs> Shows you how patient I am. Sorry. This was a beautiful tree. Had a lot of limbs, a lot of leaves. It really, it really looked nice. It just it wouldn't get rooted. And I thought, oh, man. Sorry, but sometimes I get convicted I thought, I thought, man, I'm like that sometimes. I want to be fruitful. I want to be showy, you know, lots of leaves, no roots. Anybody? You know what I'm talking about? Don't Americans like to look good on the outside? Even as Christians. You know, you can be a lousy golfer, but if you have the right clothes and the right clubs, you're looking good. And you know what I'm saying? You know, we're very superficial in America. We just are. It's our nature. I'm not pointing the finger at anyone but me. But it's really, really true. And I, I feel like sometimes, you know, we can have all the show, all the beautiful leaves and limbs, but we don't have any roots. There's a problem, problem with roots. No one likes to grow them because roots grow during times of difficulty, during times of drought, during times of suffering. Roots grow in secret where no one can see, they break through areas in our soul where we don't literally want to grow. We don't want to give up. We don't want to yield. We don't want to serve. They're hard to grow. It says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, talks about being rooted and grounded in love. How do you get rooted and grounded in love? Not when things are going well. Not in relationship with people who love you. You get rooted and grounded in love when people hate you, when people persecute you, when they spit on you. That's when you have opportunity for your roots to break through the superficial veneer of humanity and go deep into the reservoir of Jesus Christ. There is water, there's water that will fill your soul and refresh your soul. Jesus said, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. There is a water. Oh, taste and see, the Lord is good. There is a water, but it's so hard, so hard. Colossians chapter 2 verse 7 says, firmly rooted and grounded in our faith. So hard when it's difficult, but that's when roots grow. So I want to encourage you with this. When your flesh cries out, don't bail out. (laughs) Okay? When your flesh cries out, don't bail out. That's the time. That's the opportunity. It might be this afternoon. It might be tomorrow. But when your flesh cries out, don't bail out. That's the time where your roots get to go deeper, rooted and grounded in love, rooted and grounded in Christ. Uh, third kind of soil is the weedy soil. and That's a cluttered heart. And I don't think I need to explain that, to be honest. We all have that. The fourth one is a good and noble heart. Thankfully, there's some areas of fruitfulness. But here's what Jeremiah said in chapter 4, verse 3. Break up your fallow ground and do not sow among the thorns. Hosea 10, verse 12. Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap the fruit of unfailing love, and break up your fallow ground. It's time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. Break up the fallow ground. How do we do it? Number one, come to Jesus. He's the word, by the way. Come to Jesus. He is the word. He's the living word. He's the one who makes the word come alive in our life. Number one, come come, come to Jesus. Number two, hear the word. Jesus said in verse eight, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Learning to hear the word is a process. Learning to allow the word to have its impact on our life. Uh, In verse 18, here's what Jesus said. He said, therefore, consider how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Isn't that interesting? Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Consider how you listen. How many think that maybe God won't give more until you're doing what he said? Anybody? Do any of you journal? You know, God gives you a word, you write it down. Maybe it's a, a sermon. Maybe it's a devotion time. But, but you want to chew on that word. You want to ruminate on that word. You want it to work into your soul. You want to think about it and meditate on it when you're laying in bed at night. Does anyone take the word that seriously? That the word would be your life. How many know the word of God is going to last forever? Heaven and earth pass away, but my word, God's word. Okay, you're an eternal person, you're a spiritual being, not just physical you're gonna live with Jesus for all eternity how serious should we take the word I don't know I just just throwing out questions I just wonder I I just wonder Uh, of course life groups such a good way for us to wrestle with the Word of God share the Word of God together and with COVID we haven't been able to do it but Get ready, this fall we want to kick off uh, our life group ministry a little stronger than we have this last year because it's so important to get together to hear the word. We, we need to hear the word to allow it to go deep. We need to sometimes write it down, memorize it, meditate on it, think about it. We need to trust the word. We really have to do take hold of it, declare it, believe it, walk on it. And the last one, uh, continue in the word. Here's what Jesus said. John chapter 8 said, If you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Hallelujah. You know, that's what every human being is looking for freedom. Every human being is looking for freedom. Unfortunately, we're looking for it in the wrong places. We want freedom from authority, we want freedom from accountability. But real freedom in our soul comes from surrender to Jesus Christ and surrendering to his word and allowing his word to go deep into our heart, deep into our soul to bring freedom from being a people who are dominated by this world or dominated by our emotions or dominated by our doubts or dominated by our fears or dominated by our lusts. Jesus wants to set the captives free and I'm so thankful the promise there if we continue in his word then you're truly my disciples you will know the truth and the truth will set you free uh, I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up and we'll close with this uh, could I bother you to stand you've been sitting long enough I know and- uh, it's, just, it's just good sometimes it's good to I know it's hard sometimes to stand all the way through worship you always have permission to sit down if, if you're tired or physically you have something, you just won't allow you to stand please, uh, sometimes we feel like standing as a posture we need to take to, to seek God And sometimes I think standing to hear the word of God Uh, is is a good thing. Some churches have everybody stand when they read the word of God. I think that's awesome. But I want you to stand for this closing. I know God wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. I know that. We all know that. We know that's the scripture says. But God has hidden the secrets of the kingdom of God from our humanity from our flesh from our weaknesses so that seeing they will not see is what Jesus said and so that hearing uh, they will not understand I guess what I'm saying it's a wrestle it's a fight it's something that we have to be willing to contend for we need to understand to him who has more will be given as we wrestle through grab on go deeper get rooted and grounded to him who has more will be given such a powerful promise from Jesus here this morning so let's before we sing let's uh, present ourselves. Lord here this morning I don't know how many scriptures I know that I don't live but probably more than I want to admit in front of everyone here this morning and so Jesus I just lift up my heart to you my life to you Uh, Lord I realize your word is powerful We just want to thank you for your word, Lord. You gave us your word. Lord, you're building your church supernaturally through the power of your word as your word is penetrating our hearts, as we're growing in your word and bearing fruit through our lives. Your word is at work building your kingdom in our lives, in our homes, in our families, in our community, in our church. Lord, it's the power of your word. So we just thank you for it here this morning. Lord, we confess our sins to you, Jesus, here this morning. We ask forgiveness. We open our hearts in your kindness. Send your word. Bring healing to our souls. We thank you for that here this morning. Thank you for your love. Thanks for hearing our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray.